Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. I'm Andrew Wheeler. And I'm Shane Holland. On this episode, we are counting down our favourite Bond pinch people. The wicked sidekicks, the gimmicky assassins, the femme fatales. We've picked out the very best of the worst. But before we get into all of that, Shane, have you been up to anything very Bondy this week? <laughs> oh, Andrew, haven't I? Haven't I? <laughs> no, I've hardly done anything this week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have spent my time in much needed relaxation watching movies uh, over the past week. And the first one I started off with was Knives Out. Oh. I love this movie and I just love Daniel Craig in this movie. So, And obviously I'm not alone because Netflix just bought the rights to Knives Out 2 and 3. Yeah. With Daniel Craig coming back, so their budget is going to balloon from, I don't know, something ridiculous like 20 million and they made 300 million. Well, now it's going to cost them 300 million to make this movie because Daniel Craig is going to ask for so much money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with Benoit Blanc, and I am kind of excited for more mystery in my life. Uh, Clue is absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time. Knives Out is a loving nod to that, and Agatha Christie novels and movies. Uh, So yeah, very exciting time for mystery lovers. Uh, You know, I feel like the Daniel Craig connection means we could maybe justify doing a Knives Out episode somewhere down the line. I love that idea (laughs) so much. I have so much to say. Uh, I also think it's like if these next two Knives Out movies are successful and they make more of them, he's going to make more Benoit Blanc movies in like half the time (laughs) that it took him to make five James Bond movies. I mean, hopefully he's a lot more (laughs) successful with this franchise. Not that these movies haven't been successful, but just on a personal level, like maybe they'll get them out on time and maybe he'll enjoy doing them. Uh, that, That sounds very nice for Daniel. It does. (laughs) So what about you, Andrew? What's the bondiest thing you've done this week? I have also been enjoying media. I've been reading some comics, which doesn't sound like the bondiest thing, but they were James Bond comics, so uh, it Ah. fits. Yeah, I I thought it would be an apt thing to talk about for our henchman episode, because there's a great uh, run on the comic book James Bond 007. What a great name for a a comic. Uh, (laughs) A great run by writer Greg Pak and artist Mark Lamming uh, that is all about reinventing odd job. Um, it's, it's a 12 issue storyline where there is a new odd job who is a Korean secret intelligence agent who is a sort of young, sexy, hip guy, uh, who becomes like James Bond's rival, uh, and then reluctant partner for the storyline. So it's a really fun book, uh, really like in the, in the zone for, for like high action James Bond adventures. Um, and Greg Pak is a, is a Korean American writer. So for him to take on this project, of trying to sort of reclaim Odd Job and make him a cool character, I think it's the sort of project that I that I really appreciate and want to to support. So uh, yeah, check that out. It's available in two uh, collected editions, published by Dynamite Comics. Oh, that sounds so fantastic! I really love the idea of reclaiming these characters uh, for people who identify with them. Um, yeah, that makes me really happy. I cannot wait to check out these these comics. <laughs> For every episode of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we recommend a cocktail or a drink that matches the theme of the episode, or maybe just matches our mood. This week, it's Shane's turn to pick. Shane, what have you got for us? Well, this week, I thought it would be most appropriate to bring you, listeners, and you, Andrew, alongside me in our cocktail journey and introduce you to the sidecar. 
Its origins are a little murky, but it was most likely developed as a variation of a sour, because that's what it is. Uh, and it was popularized in Paris or London, depending on who oh, you Probably ask. London, probably London. It was definitely Paris <laughs> during the Second World War. Uh, it's, of course, named for the motorcycle attachment that was very common at the time. Uh, so the traditional sidecar is made with brandy or cognac, uh, but I am poor and I am settling for unacceptable <laughs> bourbon variation. Uh, so, and that's what I have on hand in my bar. It's just what I'm going with, damn it. And I really enjoy this drink. I'll tell you how I made it, and then I'll talk a bit more about it. You know, fill your shaker with ice, and you add two ounces of brandy, uh, or cognac, armagnac, or bourbon, uh, one ounce of triple sec, three quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, that's usually just one lemon, uh, and you shake all of that until well chilled, add a lemon twist or orange twist, and there you go. And what you get is a really lemony, citrusy uh, version of a sour. Um, I mean, sours are usually very citrusy, but this one has a very dry quality to it. Uh, if you're making it with cognac, you'll definitely get a lot more of that uh, raisiny quality that cognac has to it as well. Uh, it adds a sweetness to it. Uh, and then, of course, if you're really fancy, you can line your cocktail glass with sugar and just really balance everything out. Uh, if listeners are looking for a non-alcoholic variation, you can go back to our our favourite Bond Women episode, where uh, we have a recipe for a booze-free sidecar in that episode. Perfect. I love both of these versions of the sidecar that we've made now. Uh, now, the, these things that they built for you to wear, was that difficult to act with those in there? Were they, were they painful? Were they uncomfortable? Yeah, they were pretty miserable. Yeah. Uh, it was like having a train in your mouth. It was... Uh... Well, in fact, I think, I think we have a, a <clears throat> picture of them right here, as a matter of fact. Yeah, these things were kind of like uh, uppers and lower dentures made out of cobalt steel that went in the roof of your mouth, and you know, they were a little rusty, and... Uh... <laughs> And that, that painful expression I have in my face is because I'm, they're making me nauseated. Yeah. That was Richard Keel, the actor who played Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, being interviewed by David Letterman in 1985. Jaws is one of the most iconic henchmen in the Bond franchise and the only one to appear in two movies. But does that earn him a high place on our list of our favourite hench people? Or is he the Sylvia Trench of hench? <laughs> oh, Andrew. I'm so proud. Um, for our rundown of our favourite Bond hench people, we started with a list of every character who opposed Bond in service to a bigger villain in the first 24 Eon Bond movies. We picked and ranked our own top 30s and merged our scores to create the final list, and we will discover the results live as we record. Shane, do you have any notes on how we're defining hench person? Uh, I mean, I must say, I was trying to describe this to Maddie uh the other night as I was watching For Your Eyes Only. And he asked me, so what makes uh, someone like, oh, I don't know, Miss Tarot a hench person, whereas someone like Jill Masterson isn't? <laughs> uh, and I, I kind of struggled with that one until I realized, well, Miss Tarot uh, is actively working to disrupt James Bond's plans, whereas Jill Masterson uh, is actively working in service of herself. Uh, she is not actively looking to make James's life more difficult. In fact, uh, 
you know, particularly with that example, uh, she works with James. But yeah, that's kind of the difference. Someone who is working uh, specifically for the villain, uh, not and who isn't just like a kept woman. I think that's pretty important as well. Right. We don't include mistresses or girlfriends mm-hmm. uh, or sex workers. Unless they were also criminals in other capacities, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't... Andrew, we do not consider sex workers criminals. We don't, but the law in many countries does. Uh, uh, They get to decide. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) But yes, sex workers work and should be legitimate and should be respected. We agree on that. There's a reality in my head of how the world works, and then there's the reality of how the world works. (laughs) Crime, sadly, is not a category that we just get to decide. Although, if we were rich enough, we would. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, Andrew, what makes a Bond henchperson iconic to you? Yes, it's a good question. Um, I think... A big part of it for me is like how novel they are, like a good, like all the best burlesque girls. They've got to have something that makes them different. Uh, so I think the, the, the most iconic ones, and we don't know yet where they will land on our list, but to me, you know, Jaws, Odd Job, Knickknack, uh, mm-hmm. Mayday, I think are like the four that would be the first to come to mind in most people's minds. And they all have Agreed. something about them that makes them, I mean, three of the four are superhumanly strong. Um, but they also have other features that, that make them unlike any other character that has appeared on screen before. And they all have odd names, uh, names that probably are not the ones they were born with. Um, they're sort of almost supervillain-esque in that way. Um, and they're all kind of stylish, I think. Oh, absolutely they're stylish. Uh, in fact, I would say that uh, there's a lot of queer coding in uh, hench people as mm-hmm. well. Um, from the obvious examples, uh, people who were written as queer in the novels and in the movies like uh, Pussy Galore and Winton Kidd, uh, to some of the more gray area villains like Red Grant, uh, Xenia Onatop, uh, even Baron Samdi mm-hmm. has a very um, masculine and feminine side to him uh, yes. that is that we as queer people can really point to and recognize. Yes, and we'll see how those factors uh, influence our uh, our final rankings. Let's let's reveal all the ones who didn't make it. We'll point out any names that are notable, but I don't think there's really anyone in there uh, that will be worth talking about. With with many apologies to the actors. <laughs> all right, so here's the big reveal: who didn't make the list? Ooh, lots and lots of people didn't make the list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, let's go through some of these. From Dr. No, we have Annabelle Chung. From Casino Royale, uh, we've got Carlos, who I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, Count Lippy from Thunderball also didn't make it, who I kind of waffled on. Um, uh-huh. uh, just because he's kind of important in the beginning of that movie, but not important enough. We've got Eric Kriegler, who is one of the many Teutonic Blondes, but not one of the ones that makes the list. Uh, Gabor, the incidental hottie from The World is Not Enough, and also from the same film, The Cigar Girl, Julieta da Vinci. Grunther from On Her Majesty's Secret Service didn't make it. Neither did Hans from You Only Live Twice. Uh, Henry Gupta, or Ricky Jay, uh, from Tomorrow Never Dies, also didn't make the list. Uh, And one that breaks one of our rules, Imposter Double Zero from The Living Daylights. It was uh, a rule going into this that a hench person had to have a name to be considered. I let this one slip through because he has quite a pivotal role in that film. He's the guy murdering the double O's on Gibraltar at the start of the movie in the cold open, Uh, but he still didn't make the list. So why did I break the rules? No reason. 
<laughs> it was worth discovering that we both <laughs> considered him a henchman. Yes. <laughs> now we'll know when we finally get to uh, the Living Daylights what to say about him. Uh, also didn't make the list is Jenny Flex, nor did Kamal Khan, Milton Crest, Malika, uh, Mr. Kill from Die Another Day, oh, whose only trait was that his name was Mr. Kill. <laughs> Uh, poor Caroline Monroe as Naomi in The Spy Who Loved Me also didn't make our list of Bond women, so she has got a, a double X against her name. Ooh. Sorry, Caroline. Um, <laughs> from A View to a Kill, uh, Pan Ho, played by Papillon Suhu. Professor Dent from Dr. No, who, it's a great character, but he just doesn't make the cut. And from License to Kill, Professor Joe Butcher, played by the legend <laughs> Wayne Newton. <laughs> I guess we could call him a legend. Uh, I'm not going to, but you can. Uh, probably the most famous name on this list of people who didn't make our list. Yes. Uh, we've also got Scarpine in the bottom, Shady Tree from Diamonds Are Forever, uh, The Three Blind Mice from Dr. No also didn't make the list, uh, Valenka, who had a really nice haircut in Casino Royale, uh, didn't make our list, nor did Vargas from Thunderball. Yeah, he's he's uh he's a creepy dude. Didn't want him in my list. No, agreed. All right, that's those are the forgettables. Let's get on <laughs> to who actually made it. We've got a top thirty-seven. It looks like it looks like so. Uh, yeah, let's see who is thirty-seventh. It is. Oh, it's Goldie, Mister Bullion from the World Is Not Enough. Um, I am. I'm the one who I'll take the blame on this. I gave <laughs> him a do. rank. I think he's probably. The more interesting henchman in that movie. Uh, he's funny. He's got some gags in there. Uh, and yeah, Goldie. He's he's also <laughs> kind of an incidental hottie in that film. So I gave him number 30. I'm too familiar with him as like a drum and bass star. Like he was very famous in the UK at the time he was cast in this. It was It was slightly odd to see him in that role. Oh, it looks like we have a tie for 36th place. That's always exciting. Uh, who did we Who did we both pick? Uh, oh, we have a double bill from For Your Eyes Only. We each picked one guy that we liked and we didn't agree. So uh, we've got <laughs> Apostis, played by Jack Claff, and Emile Locke, played by Michael Goddard. That's a movie which has like some fairly vanilla hench people in it. Um, so I really just picked Apostis because he was a cute boy. He's sort of like a hot Adam Driver type. Uh, and I picked Emil Locke because he gets a really, really cold and brutal death uh, <laughs> at the hand of James, or at the foot of James, I guess you could say, when he kicks his car over a cliff. Uh, but yeah, great movie. Can't wait to talk about that one. Uh, and tied at number 34, who do we have? Ooh, Patrice from Skyfall and Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I think we can agree that actually Patrice is at number 35 here and Stamper is at number 34 because we both agreed on Stamper's placement. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stamper is one that I waffled on a little bit, but uh, I do remember having a bit of a crush on Gotts Otto at the time. And, you know, he is very Jean-Paul Gaultier-esque. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he survives uh, be like longer than the main villain in that movie. So I, I gave him a little plus one. That's That's fair. Patrice, played by Ola Rapace in Skyfall, really just made my list on the grounds of his surviving his first encounter with Daniel Craig's Bond and uh, and getting two good fight scenes in the movie. The second one, of course, against a stunning neon backdrop. Um, and also Which was my Facebook background for years, by the way. Oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a memorable scene. So that gets Patrice a spot. Because um, otherwise, a lot of these, uh, these Craig era uh, guys don't really click for me. They're not interesting enough. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later. All right, number 33. It's Whisper, 
played by Earl Jolly Brown in Live and Let Die. Uh, I am the one who rated Whisper a little higher at 26 on my list. Uh, I thought he was a fun henchman in that movie. Uh, he is certainly effective. He nearly kills Bond a, a few times. Uh, yeah, memorable. Uh, a lot of actually the hench people in that movie were memorable for me, despite how terrible Live and Let Die is, as we've discussed at length at this point. Yeah, that's the, the, the problem for me. The reason Whisper didn't make it really was because this list would be a lot of live and let die people um and i prefer the others to whisper sorry uh whisper but you i do remember you and i hope someone let you out of that uh that missile casing uh, at the end of the film <laughs> uh we have a very exciting three-way tie for number 30 oh, who could it be ah <laughs> <laughs> two more right. live and let die hitch people <laughs> Well, we're getting them out of the way. And the Casino uh, Royale. <laughs> so we've got Adam and Rosie Carver uh, mm-hmm. from Live and Let Die. Uh, I believe Adam was your incidental hottie of that movie. He absolutely was. He just has the most fabulous houndstooth uh, suit. He he gets, like, he is a very ordinary henchman, um, but he steals the sexiest speedboat and he puts up with some terrible, terrible garbage from J.W. Pepper. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in a, in a movie full of great henchmen, people uh he was a bit of a discovery last time we watched this film very true um i chose rosie carver in the same position you chose um and i i mean yeah not great not very effective (laughs) as a cia agent but she is a double agent she is working for big the entire time in that film up until her death uh which is brutal uh but i don't know she's glamorous proud black woman gloria hendry you made it to my list as rosie carver yeah she in the end i bumped her out because she basically fails at both sides of her double agenting but yeah <laughs> but i i am a big fan of of gloria hendry in that role uh so i did waver on that one quite a bit um and then we have from casino royale dimitrios played by simon akbarian um uh, dimitrios yeah, yeah, he gets like a sizable chunk of that movie uh, devoted to him, actually. I'd say a good, like, the first third of the movie is Bond chasing Demetrios and trying to track down Demetrios. Uh, and they, he gets a great hand-to-hand combat death. Uh, there's some great chase scenes in there. Uh, he's pivotal to the plot in a way. So yeah, that's how Demetrios made my list. Uh, so let's see who's at number 29. Aha! Mishka and Grishka from Octopussy. <laughs> the twin juggler assassins uh i mean that's really all you need to know there's the the twins (laughs) the jugglers they're assassins they wear some natty little costumes um they're just a fun concept so uh, they get recognition for that alone and who's 28 oh sister lily and sister rose from dr no another double act uh yes absolutely and i really like sister lily and sister rose i think they have a pretty fun part in Dr. No, they're hoteliers who turn out to be a little evil at the <laughs> end when Bond is trying to escape uh, the destruction of the evil lair. He runs into, I believe it's Sister Rose, and she is not willing to help him until he grabs <laughs> her and forces her to help him. Uh, so yeah, bonus point. Yeah, it should be noted that the hotel they're running is a supervillain's secret base. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's pretty important. <laughs> but yes, they are really great characters. Um, very stylish, very cool, very unnerving. Um, and I do like, I do think a lot about wh- what happened to them next. Like, there's a story there that I want There to really see. is. Okay, number 27 on the list. It's Elvis Anatole Tobman from Quantum of Solace. <laughs> 
I will take the blame for this one. <laughs> I rated Elvis a bit highly, uh, number 22 in my list. Um, I, I don't know. I think Elvis has the only comic relief in a very dry, dark film that is Quantum of Solace. Um, He's not very effective, once again. I think everyone from 20 to 30 isn't necessarily an <laughs> effective hench person, but damn it, they're there. They made an impact, and Elvis makes an impact in that otherwise forgettable film. I mean, this is the uh, the Daniel Craig era again. You're really gonna... You're not gonna find much sympathy from me on these ones, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't the hench people from the Daniel Craig era stick out? Like, they really were focused... They weren't even focused on villains in the area in no. that era of film. Not so really. weird. Uh, number 26, we have Chang, played by Toshiro Suga from Moonraker, uh, who I rated highly and you did not rate at all. I just no. rewatched Moonraker recently, uh, and in fact we're doing it uh, next time uh, mm -hmm. on the on the show. Um, and Chang kind of stood out to me as a really fun villain. Like, he's a swordsman, he's in a movie where there is a much more famous hench person to, to look at and to, to enjoy, but the fact that we get Chang and the, uh, the glass sword fight and the really terrible destruction of antique glass in Venice. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a standout scene. It's a scene I remember loving as a kid. So, uh, so yeah, Chang, uh, gets a bump for me. And he is an interesting looking and, uh, unique hench person. Well said. Well said. I'm glad he made the cut. Number 25. Oh, it's another of my picks. It's, uh, <laughs> Gobinda played by Kabir Bedi in Octopussy. Similar thing to, to Chang. I mean, mm, I rated them right very. next to each other, actually. Like, they're both B hench people. Um, they both have cool weapons, but he is a very imposing character and a very lethal hench person. I'm beginning to see a theme where you are picking your hench people based off of ability, and <laughs> I'm picking my hench people based off of gags. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're going to see some distinctions there. I guess. <laughs> this is where we differ, you and I. <laughs> All right, who's number 24 on this list? We have... Dr. Kaufman, Vincent Chiavelli from Tomorrow Never Dies. I am surprised that you rated uh, Kaufman higher than I did, but I'm <laughs> glad that we both agree he makes this list. Uh, great performance, really menacing, yeah. really dark uh, character. So fun. Uh, really great turn in that film. A character that I kind of had forgotten all about, and then in rewatching Tomorrow Die Never Dies, I'm like, oh no, this this is memorable. Vincent Chiavelli is doing mm -hmm. a really great turn as this this torturer and he knows what movie he's in yes. like yeah he's playing it up it's perfect yeah it stands out for sure we have another tie at number 22 miss taro from dr no Ooh. and mr hinks from specter um this, this <laughs> well i'll talk about hinks first because he didn't even rate in your list i'm telling uh, you daniel craig hench people <laughs> uh, and i'm telling you the gags the, the visuals uh and dave bautista i mean first of all incidental hottie of that film uh and yeah i mean he gets i think the best car chase we're ever gonna see in a, in a daniel craig film uh, hopefully no time to die will change my mind about that but so far i think he gets like the best car chase he gets great fight scene uh yeah really fun for me um yeah i i just i feel like mr <laughs> hinks is as close as they've got to a good uh a good hench mm -hmm. person but i also feel like they weren't really committing to the bit um he was still a bit like too palatable too ordinary for me like just giving him those little things on his thumbs that's not enough for me and what does hinks mean 
Hinks. What does Hinks mean? <laughs> They've had a Jinx. Did we need a Hinks? Right. They it's couldn't just, come up with any other name. Just confusing. Like, even <laughs> Am Mr. I arguing Kill. myself out of this choice? <laughs> like, at least Mr. Kill sounds like something. Like He's a terrible hench person, but he sounds like something. <laughs> Someone's going to comment and tell us that Hinks means death in Latvian or something. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know. Um, and we have Miss Taro played by Zena Marshall in Dr. No, who I have waxed lyrical about in maybe every other episode of this <laughs> podcast. But you actually rated her higher than I did. Um, I think I was trying to honor you, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to respect you. It's Aww, we're compromising too much now. We need to stick to our original villains. Uh, vill- villain? Visions. And, you know, <laughs> score things uh, to I, spite each other. <laughs> what, what else do we need to say about Miss Taro? She's fashion. She's beauty. Uh, she's villain. Villainous. Yeah, she she's a great choice for this list. And she lives. And she lives. You know, very, very rare for a henchperson. That gets you points. Uh, number 21 on the list, it's Helga Brandt, played by Karen oh, Dorr. And we we both are in complete her. agreement. Number 21. <laughs> and she landed at number 21. That's never happened before. <laughs> That's never happened. I'm so excited to see it, actually. <laughs> um I don't know. What can you say about Helga? I mean, we I talked about her recently. before. Yeah, that she's she's <laughs> like the the second rate Fiona Volpe. Um, she <laughs> is very similarly styled and fulfills a similar role. And for that reason, like she would be a much more iconic character if she were. if we hadn't already seen uh, her character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, it's a perfectly good character, just not quite uh, cracking the top. Not, of the list. not as high as some of the rest. Uh, we have another tie coming up. Yeah, and we're into the top 20 now, so these are the joint 19th. We have Boris from Goldeneye and Necros from The Living Daylight. (laughs) This Uh, one's going to be contentious. Oh, well, actually, you know what? I nearly put Necros on my list, and he was he was in that 30 spot and wavered for quite a long time. Uh, you rated him really highly. <laughs> he cracked your top 10, Andrew. He did t- crack my top 10. This is this is the Fiona Volpe of this one, where I'm, <laughs> I'm putting some weird outlier really high up, and it's breaking everything. Um, <laughs> but I think Necros is one of the most fun and interesting mm-hmm. villains of, like, the... the latter the the post more era i suppose which i tend to think of as a an era of bond even though it covers a really very long period of <laughs> most time. of the most of the period of time yes i mean they're basically they're the bond movies that were made in my adulthood or in my well post adolescence um mm-hmm. so so that that may, creates a dividing line in my consciousness but yes necros for one thing i mean he's a hot blonde um, yes. who we see in a little blue speedo at one point in the movie. So he's, he lives in my heart forever. But also he's the, <laughs> the assassin master of disguise. He kills people with exploding milk bottles. Um, he is a very effective hench person, uh, mm-hmm. who, who manages to last for a big chunk of the movie. Um, and his name is Necros. Like that's a, that's a good name. It's a, <laughs> that's a, it's better than Mr. Hinks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we both rated Alan Cummings, Boris Krashenko pretty high in Goldeneye. Um, not the sort of character that people would immediately think of as a hench person, but definitely the the tech guy in the villains organization um, gets to be included. I, I suspect he'll be the highest rated in that category. Agreed. And I mean, he's a queer Alan Cummings, yes. so he definitely had to make the list. <laughs> Even if Boris himself is a bit of a skeevy perv. Oh, I, once again, I did rate him a few spots higher because of the gags. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it's because of the gags. It all makes sense. Okay, another tie for 17th place, and we have Magda from Octopussy, and Mr. White from both uh-huh. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, oh, and Spectre. Um, 
I guess when I said that Jaws is the only one that's appeared in more than one film, I was forgetting Mr. White. Um, yes, you certainly were. You weren't even willing, you weren't thinking of putting Mr. White on the list at all. And I said, absolutely, <laughs> Mr. White is a henchman. So much so that I rated him in my top 10 and you didn't rate him at all. I did not. I find him a little beige, a little boring. Sorry, he is named Mr. White, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and also, I yeah, I kind of feel like he's, who is he working for? Like, isn't he pretty high up in his organization? But... It's fine. You, you you tell us about Mr. White. I'll go make it. Look, a I mean, he he works for Spectre. He's working for Quantum. Who isn't he working for? He is your he is a hench person. He was born to be a hench person. That is all he does. He henches. Uh, what does he do? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> he transfers money in Casino Royale. Uh, he tells Bond that he's a kite in a storm, or a kite in a hurricane, or something. Well, he kills Mads uh, Mikkelsen. That's a pretty big deal. He kills Mads Mikkelsen. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. When I think of hench people from the Daniel Craig era, Mr. White is actually the only one I really think of. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> All right. Yeah, fine. He cracked the top 20, but he's sharing that spot with Magda, who I talked about in the, the Women of Bond episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to rewatch Octopussy, but she definitely stands out as glamorous, competent, and, you know, playing all sides of the game because she's loyal to Octopussy, who is playing all sides of the game. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and she gets some fun fights in there. Yeah. Uh, like the best fight in that movie at the end of the film. Yes. yes. Uh, Mag- Magda, good choice. Number 16. No tie this time. It is Dario from License to Kill, played by Benicio del Toro, a, a an actor who is considerably more famous than the uh, the role he played. How could we not include Benicio del Toro? Right, he's gorgeous in that film. Yeah. Uh, he is really effective in that film. He kills so many people. He really uh, gives Bond a run for his money. License to Kill has one of the most brutal deaths mm-hmm. in that air pressure uh depressurization tank oh yeah. well whatever it is a human head explodes <laughs> and we get to see it and yeah and that's all because of benicio and dario also gets a very gruesome death himself yes so, he uh, does um but yes that was like a 21 year old benicio del toro in that movie um, mm, chef's kiss <laughs> He's, he's not just an incidental hottie, he's a full hottie. Tie for number 14 coming up. And we have, oh, Bambi and Thumper and Teehee. And you know what? We are in like almost exact agreement on both of these. They are so interchangeable. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Teehee first. Yeah, so again, this is one of the many live and let die um, hench people. Maybe the last one besides the guy that I think we both know is going to rate uh, yeah, pretty yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, Teehee, I, I kind of feel like Teehee is meant to be the main hench person in Live and Let Die. Like He should one, have been, right? He's the one with the, the weird hook hand. Um, mm-hmm. He gets to do the, he has the giggle motif. Um, he and he's in it from almost start to finish. He yeah. makes it almost up to the very end of the film. Uh, really menacing, great portrayal by Julius W. Harris. Uh, I love Teehee. I'm so glad that he's as high as he is on our list. Uh, and also high on our list would be Bambi and Thumper. Please talk a little bit about Bambi and Thumper. I know how much you love these two. And again, this is this is another double act and a double act from Diamonds Are Forever. And we're going to see another double act from Diamonds Are Forever somewhere <laughs> in this list. Um, but this is very much the secondary. And yes, they do only get like the one scene at Willard White's uh, beautiful home, which is a real place you can you can uh, 
find pictures of it online. Gorgeous place. And yes, these two women that try to uh, choke James Bond to death with their thighs <laughs> long before Zinnia on the top did it. Um, before uh, Famke Jensen made it cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I just think they're very, like, they are memorable and they are distinctive and those are cool. And the fact that they're this acrobatic double act, like, those are all cool hench person traits. Agreed, agreed. All right, and at number 13 on our list, we have Knickknack. Uh, good choice. Uh, not quite top 10. Yeah. Um, because I think, in my mind, because of how they treat Hervé Villachez in that movie, yes. um, there's not a lot of dignity to the character of Knickknack in the end. But Knickknack is actually such an effective henchman. <laughs> uh, there is so much you could have done with the Knickknack character. Though yeah. I feel like uh villages was just so underutilized yeah could have been higher is what i'm saying yeah i think you know we 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 agree that knickknack is an iconic character um mm-hmm. but i think we also agree that it's it's uncomfortable to watch in places because they are just making jokes about his size and treating yeah. him as as a joke for large parts of the movie especially the end of the movie we will get to all that when we discuss the man with the golden gun but yes this is a character who because the film doesn't take him seriously, doesn't get to be as uh, serious a threat as as he should be. He is one of the few hench people who survives to the end of the film, though. Well, hopefully he does. I mean, he's... he's... Oh, true. <laughs> we don't know what happens. I mean, I guess he's technically alive when the credits roll, and then, like, a, t- a day later, <laughs> he's being picked over by seagulls. So. <laughs> oh, no, Andrew, that's so dark. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably exactly what happens. <laughs> We're hoping for the best for you, right? <laughs> let's move on to number 12 all right so this is the last one outside the top 10 <gasps> we have a tie for 10th place so number 12 is jaws from Ooh. the spy who loved me and moonraker another we- icon who doesn't crack the top 10 interesting well okay this is where i'm gonna like totally destroy my own voting method here and i'm gonna say it's because of the gags right <laughs> what are you what are you doing what are you talking about <laughs> Look, I mean, jo- okay, you know, if it were just Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me, I think he would rate really high on my list of henchmen. But Jaws in Moonraker, he really brings that score down. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Look, I don't want to talk too much about it because we're about to go into pornographic detail on <laughs> in Moonraker. Um, but... Suffice it to say, the way that the Jaws arc ends leaves a sour taste in my mouth. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, Richard Keel. Again, this is this was a person that was that was uh, like her, Hervé Villachez, um born different, and that was exploited to make him a cool hench person, and that is again slightly uncomfortable, and he becomes comical uh, in their handling of that, and uh, there's they they're not giving these characters the dignity that I hope they would be afforded today. No, you're you're absolutely right. I think, and Richard Keel, I mean, great, great actor, has <laughs> appeared in so many films, uh, and is really iconic. And he, he kind of took that, uh, that thing about him that makes him different and really made it his specialty. Uh, so in, in that sense, he's an icon for being different, which is, yeah. I think, yeah. why he rates so highly on our list. But yeah, like you said, the films don't actually treat him with the respect that he deserves. He does kill a shark with his teeth, though, and that's cool. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> All right, tied for 10th place. Irma Bunt from On Her Majesty's Secret Service 
and Zhao from Die Another Day. And again, we both rated these like within about five points of each other. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Okay, so I guess I'll talk about Irma Bund because I rated her a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Irma Bund is really effective for what she does. She she brainwashes multiple women into committing acts of genocide. <laughs> she is cool. She, she's very threatening. And on top of that, she commits the most cardinal sin in the Bond universe and she kills his love interest. Uh, I think she has one of the most fascinating arcs in the series and she survives at the end. We yes. have no idea what happens to Irma Bunt. And for that reason, she made my top 10. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the, the Women of Bond episode as well, but I think it's always worth just re- revisiting. She killed Bond's wife and gets away with it like that's yeah. extra he takes revenge on on uh on blofeld but he never catches up to irma bunt that's astonishing it is it is uh before we head into our top eight let's just uh have a, a moment to talk about how we decided on our rankings because we've already discussed uh that maybe maybe gags played a bigger role for you <laughs> than uh, <laughs> than effectiveness <laughs> Yes, uh, I think as we get into the top 10, we're going to find a good mixture of uh, effectiveness, gag, and uh, iconography. Like, the people who have the biggest characters, the people who make the most difference in the movie, yeah. uh, the fashion, the queer. It's all going to play a part in this top 10. Yes, queerness earned you points in my in my assessment. Glamour earned you points. Um, being effective was one of my categories, but also being dangerous, like having some sort of... Mm. unique killing uh trick we hardly talked about zhao sorry i'm just gonna interrupt we didn't talk about diamond face himself that's true and it's when you said effectiveness and lethalness that i immediately said oh we have to talk about him because zhao (laughs) is lethal he is deadly he's very fun to watch rick yoon fabulous actor really gorgeous the hottest person in that film yeah no rick yoon i i adore rick yoon i could watch him uh for days i I would probably get an injunction put against me um (laughs) Yeah, and I think Zhao is one of the, like, you know, he's one of the late-stage hench people who is really cool. And I think when that movie came out, uh, there was a lot of, oh, really, a hench person with diamonds embedded in his face? And he's, like, got this weird bleached albino skin, uh, which is part of the the transformation that he's undergoing in the film. Um, and, like, why can't they pick those diamonds out of his face? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, <laughs> for goodness sakes, it's, it's a Bond movie, and it looks cool. And he is, like, he is very effective. He is like one of the hottest people ever to be in a Bond film. Um, and I love a, a character with diamonds embedded in his face. Like, Oh, Zhao. I mean, who doesn't? It's hot. Zhao is forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So now that we've discussed how we've chosen things and our one of our favorite top tens, let's move on. Who's tied at top eight here? Oh, Baron Saladi oh. and Zenia Zergyevna on the top. Wow. First of all, I am shocked at myself. <laughs> I can't believe I put Xenia at 11 and not at like 9 or even 10. But I mean Xenia on a top. <laughs> she's she's great. She's like a, just a really beautiful design of a character, a beautiful conception of a character. She is so distinct um, and... She is a sexually liberated uh, woman who uh, is very good at killing people. Um, <laughs> Famke Janssen looks stunning in the role and has 
I, I, you know, I just think when it comes to style, she is one of the best. Oh, yeah. And characterization. I mean, this character could be, you know, forgettable in the wrong hands. But Famke really, like, relishes every moment with Xenia. Uh, and you can feel it in her performance. I abs- Like, she really makes GoldenEye one of the best Pierce Brosnan films. And I, I honestly think when it comes to, like, the iconic hench people, she's just outside the, you know, you've got Odd Job, you've got Nick Knack. I think Xenia is just outside that list. Like, to the modern Bond audience, she is an Agreed. iconic hench person. Anyone who grew up with that GoldenEye video game, if uh, if you aren't thinking Xenia on a top when you think of Bond hench people, then I, I don't know who you are. <laughs> uh, and we also have Baron Samdi uh, in our top eight. We've talked recently about Jeffrey Holder, but yeah. what a great characterization in his body of Baron Samity. He's threatening, he's funny, uh, he's effective, uh, he's queer, like the character is queer in this unidentifiable way. Uh, he just balances that masculine and feminine yeah. energy. Um, yeah, and really transcends a bad movie. Casting a, a dancer in that role is so smart because his movement is so important uh, to the character. Um, beautiful styling on that character. Like, he's mm-hmm. so memorable, both in his Samity role and when he's just sort of wearing gorgeous floppy hats and, yes. uh, and cravats. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Jeffrey Holder as Baron Samity, there is a reason why that, that character has endured and is is so much better than the movie he's in. Agreed. Wow, we have talked so much about Live and Let Die recently. <laughs> but, I mean, all of the... And maybe that's why all of the hench people have made our list. It's still bu- That movie still bugs me, right? Because it's sure. so bad, it's so racist, but it's so mm, burned into my brain. <laughs> it is so Bond. Ugh, I hate myself for loving it. <laughs> <laughs> a good hench person's a good hench person. You can't, yeah. you can't fight it. Can't fight the <laughs> All right, let, uh, let's wash this uh, live and let die out of our systems and move on to our tie for top six. I mean, I hate to tell you, there are still problematic characters left to go. <laughs> Wait, <list>. what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what flavor you think you're washing out of your mouth. Okay, tied, <laughs> tied for number six. It is Fiona Volpe and Ooh. Miranda Frost, who we talked about in the Bond women list. And here is, again, <laughs> again. I, I, I edged her down in consideration for you, and you edged her up in consideration <laughs> for me, and she landed exactly where she belongs on the Yeah, list. that's right. And we, I mean, we just talked about Fiona, Fiona um, because we talked about Helga, but Fiona is the progenitor of this, like, uh, femme fatale character, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's so, such a wonderful sense of style. So this gorgeous red hair, um, but also such an effective villain, both in the way that she can dispatch inconveniences with aplomb, <laughs> but also stand up for herself. You know, she has such a great exchange with Bond when she shuts him down and says she won't be turned to the side of the angels by, by his, basically by his penis yes. um and she does get a beautiful death scene like maybe one of my favorite death scenes it's a weird thing to say one of my favorite death <laughs> scenes in the franchise you're so right though i mean um it is a, a beautiful very sad moment and yeah. and that is like one of the few times that there is weight to a villain's death yes. in a movie I think that's exactly it. it. There's humanity in her death, and giving yeah. a villain humanity is pretty rare in films in general, but especially in Bond, where we're talking about how the treatment of Jaws and Knickknack is not entirely Callous, respecting yeah. their humanity. And here in Fiona Volpe, we have a, we see how it can be done. Yes, absolutely. So, oh, 
great draw great job by luciana paluzzi oh i can't wait to talk about thunderball that is one of my favorites <laughs> it's a great um, i have so much to say uh and miranda frost who once again i have rated in my top three and you have not <laughs> given her the respect that she deserves <laughs> she's in the, she i gave her 12 like that's i thought that was high <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did think that was high, but it wasn't high enough. I love Miranda Frost. I do. We talked about it in in mm-hmm. the uh, the other episode, um, and it was a discovery for me re- rewatching Die Another Day and realizing how good both how good Rosamund Pike is in the role and how good Miranda Frost is as a villain. Um, I totally think she's great, and I have totally like she has shot up like thirty places in my estimation. Uh, I mean, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe it's a little artificially high but i'm gonna defend it i think miranda frost is a true hench person in every sense of the word Mm -hmm. she is like doing everything she can to serve uh her boss and and kind of herself and at the same time yeah uh she you know she nearly murders james she nearly murders jinx uh, she is an integral part of the plot from nearly the beginning to the end. There's mystery. Uh, there's treachery. I I just love that character so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, and having her and Fiona Volpe sitting side by side at number six, that feels really good to me, actually. Yeah, it feels right. They occupy that space in Bond lore. I guess we should maybe bring up, before we head into the top five, the... Bond women as hench people uh, conundrum, I guess. Like, yeah. I, there are some lists of hench people that don't count. Like, if you're a Bond woman, you don't count as a as a hench person. Like, you're one thing or the other, and that's clearly not that's the bullshit. Approach. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm not gonna the say it. that we are taking here. Um, no, but I did try to have like different considerations in in my like. It would have been very easy for this list to replicate the other list uh, a little too closely. So I tried to be very conscious of of judging them by slightly different criteria, though there are some things like glamour and queerness that I think are as important. Uh, you know, queerness is important to me and glamour is important to both a hench person and a Bond woman. Um, and I mean, they're important to this podcast. That yes. is kind of what is, uh, that's our thesis of this podcast. That's true, that's uh, true. So I, I think it's important that we, I'm not even going to say it's artificial. I think that we should boost these people in the consciousness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something like how dangerous someone is is much more important to a hench person um, than it is Agreed. to a Bond woman. Though I did also, and we will see how this in- affects the final scores, I deducted points for hench people if they were disloyal. And that means if they switched sides to James Bond's side, they got a deduction in my scoring. I mean, and I'm, we're going to get there, but I think you've already shown that it's the exception to the rule that makes the rule. Am I right? Am I right? We'll find out. We'll find out. All should right. we go to number well, five? We absolutely should. Oh, this is where it gets so exciting and tense and, oh, what's going to happen? And personal. Ooh, odd job at oh. number five. I rated him number five. You rated him number seven. This is... Like the this is the spot yeah. where Odd Job belongs. He is one of the top five villains of all time. Hench, definitely one of the most memorable hench people in cinema history. Um, I love that uh, Greg Peck. Greg Pack, you said, is rewriting yeah. the character of Odd Job in his own way um, because there is a disservice done to uh, Korean men in the character of Odd Job. Uh, but, I mean, he's got so much power in that film. Uh, he is a real threat. He's a real menace. He is a real icon. Yeah, like, I mean, he does tick all the boxes. He has 
both a, a distinctive style. He has a very cool way of killing people. Um, and he has a weird name. Like these are all <laughs> things that I associate with being a cool Bond hench person. Um, he, yes, the, the, he is also a character that is for, you know, Korean fans of Bond raises a flag. Um, we will, we'll get to the equivalent character or characters for queer people very mm-hmm. soon. Um, yes. but, uh, I think, he still stands out as a very cool character. The fact that he doesn't speak, I think, is one of the things that sort of... Uh, it's both a cool thing for a hench person to do, but also an uncool thing to do to an Asian character in a movie. Um, yes. So that's a, you know that's something where I think it falls down on the wrong side. Also, I mean, the fact that Harold Sakato is a Japanese-American actor mm-hmm. from Hawaii playing a Korean character. Um, it's if- It's for people of Asian descent to say what's appropriate and what's not uh, in how Asian roles are cast, but it would have been a great opportunity for a Korean performer. And it, in this instance, it wasn't just a case of like race-blind casting. I think it was a case of not caring um, because also they have the character doing karate, which is also not Korean. Yes, uh, it's a bit of a mishmash and a time uh, where Orientalism, quote-unquote, was yes. in vogue. Um, and yeah, has not aged well, uh, but like like we've said, this character kind of rises above that in our collective consciousness for, uh, as being memorable, as uh, being one of the most iconic characters in this franchise's history. Uh, and for that, I think we, I, I think he's in the right spot on this list. And I guess it does go to some way towards being a, if not a corrective, at least... It's a, it's a positive that we got Rick Yoon, a Korean American actor playing another mm-hmm. henchman years later. Like that, that maybe was the franchise's way of sort of apologizing or making up for, for the, uh, the missteps of, of past years. Yes, I would agree. Well, who is our number four? I feel like someone's heart is going to get broken. Let's see. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry I broke your heart. <laughs> it's Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. They were my number one seed for this. Wow. Um, they are number eight on Shane's list, and so they come in at number four. Um, <laughs> Look, that is a really good score for two <laughs> fantastic hench people. Yeah. I mean, they're the queerest hench people. They, they deserve to be as high as they are. And on top of that, what great characterization by bruce glover and putter smith (laughs) they 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 get the gags that i'm looking for they also get that ruthlessness that menacing quality uh they will do anything to uh take people out of their way uh yeah i really love these characters you know there's a lot of homophobic tropes tied to winton kid they're sort of they are feminized in a way that is not pro-feminization of men. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, they are laughed at rather than with for a lot of the film. Um, they are, you know, they're, they're, they're queer characters in the book as well. Um, and the book arguably treats them a little bit better. Like it, they're still treated with contempt, but um, <laughs> the, the movie like really tries to sort of double down on it. But 
when we talk about you know reclaiming these things and taking ownership of these things for me that's sort of the project here is i love diamonds of forever because i think it is a campy queer film and having a gay couple at the heart of that film is important to me and seeing and seizing on the humanity of these characters and respecting the the performances uh which i think are good to, you know I, I think you're right bruce glover and putter smith are, are great in the roles and i don't think they're trying to be demeaning towards the characters i think they're trying to embody the characters with respect even though the script is pulling them in a in a different direction um and they are just they're a very cool couple of assassins like they are very effective um they, they die they go out like punks but they are very effective <laughs> um and uh, and if i were going to write a dynamite james bond comic uh, my reclamation project would be winton kid dynamite you you have my email address you know where i am Oh, Andrew, I cannot wait. You should just start doing it and, get, and pitch it to them. Ah, that sounds so exciting. They are dangerous psychopaths, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. There's, there's no getting around that. Like, it's, it's a trope. Diamonds Are Forever are, is quickly coming up on our list of what to cover. And just seeing their names and seeing that title is getting me so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is going to be our Pride Month uh, movie, Diamonds Are Forever, because it just seemed right. It does. All right. All right. Let's reveal our top three. Who's number three? From Russia with Love, it's Red Grant, played by Robert Shaw. I mean, this feels right, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we put him four and three on our list, so... Yeah. I Okay. First of all, Robert Shaw, hottie. Not <laughs> incidentally, hottie. Second, like, brutal. Just absolutely brutal in that film. Third hilarious he gets i think the only laugh in that film which is when he pretends to be very english <laughs> yeah it, it's weird it, like it took me a long time to reconcile the idea that robert shaw in from russia with love and robert shaw in jaws are the same are the same person, person. oh like, god i know Quint yeah and red grant are the same person. it's insane um, am i attracted to quint <laughs> Maybe because he is—he's super hot. He, he is yeah. the the uh, founding archetype of the Teutonic blonde assassin character that recurs at least four times in the Bond franchise and is sort of a, a cultural mainstay. Um, this sort of soulless killing machine, I guess, like in a way, the Terminator is based on Red Grant as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he is, yeah, he—he's just a very icy and uh, effective character who gives Bond a real one for his money, you know? And on top of that, when we talk about queer coding, there is a lot of queerness to the character of Red Grant. Yes. Uh, particularly in the novel, he's written as being uh, almost asexual. Yeah. Uh, the charms and advances of uh, the women who work for him does absolutely nothing for him. He is single-mindedly focused on his mission, uh, which is pursuing James Bond. And in that respect, this movie really makes it more about how this man is obsessed with this other man. And as a young gay kid watching that film, it was hard not to see that as somewhat of a reflection. Yeah. I mean, From Russia With Love is a story about uh, about love, about obsession, uh, about the weird ways in which two people's lives can can collide, and it's not just Bond and Tatiana that, that have that story. No, it's it's a three way love affair happening <laughs> in that film. <laughs> uh, yeah, Red Grant, perfect choice for number three. All right, so that leaves two on the list, and we both know who they are. Oh, it's yeah. just a question of what order they fall in. So I'm going to reveal these both at the same time, but we will take them in order. Mm -hmm. 
Number two on the list of the favorite hench people of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is Mayday <gasps> by ah. Grace Jones from View <laughs> to a Kill. This is one of these funny things <laughs> where <laughs> the list ended up right, even though <laughs> our choices are so different. We keep doing this. Yeah, we keep doing this, but I am so happy with the way this landed. Mayday. I mean, can you name, uh, I don't know, a more iconic black queer woman in the Bond franchise? Absolutely not. Can you name one of the more iconic black queer women from our living memory? Hardly (laughs) not. Uh, I mean, Grace Jones is absolutely incredible in a film that doesn't deserve her. Yes. Yes. she is funny, she is scary, she is ruthless, she is everything, she is grace, she is glamour. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just adore Mayday. She was my number one pick. Um, and I just, I, I don't even like A View to a Kill. It is one of my <laughs> least favorite Bond movies. So the fact that I chose her as number one should tell you what, that she does such a amazing job. Yeah, it's true. A View to a Kill is, is a terrible film, but Mayday is a phenomenal character who has a sort of an iconic life far beyond that film. And, you know, Christopher Walken is in that film and people don't even remember that he is the villain in that film. They don't think of Christopher Walken as being uh, a Bond villain, you know? No, this is a case where the hench person totally outshines yeah. the main villain. Um, she A better version of Jaws in that sense. Yeah. And so stylish, like such a fashion icon and such a threat to Bond, which of course is one of my my criteria. Um, Yes. Uh, And she was a threat to Roger Moore too. They did not enjoy working (laughs) together. Uh, They terrorized each other on set. And for that, she gets an extra point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're we're very much Team Mayday uh, in this house. (laughs) Uh, Great choice for number two. And that can only leave... The only person who was ever going to be number one <laughs> on our list. That is Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. Honor Blackman, once again, really making uh, the most of <laughs> of our collective experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's bizarre because we both ranked her number two and yet she ended up number one because we disagreed <laughs> on everything else. <laughs> but... Neither of us are unhappy about it. And the same thing happened on the, the Our Favourite Bond mm-hmm. Women uh, list. Uh, she's our number one Bond woman and our number one hench person. That's a pretty high testament to this character, um, who clearly we like more than we like James Bond. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Definitely, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and what can we say that we haven't already said? She's a lesbian uh, in a time when that is not socially acceptable in the slightest. Uh, She is an aviatrix at a time when that is totally acceptable. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, She's cool. She's collected. She is effective in the face of danger. And this is where you break your own rule, where she does start the film off on the side of Goldfinger. And it's only begrudgingly that she works (laughs) on the side of Bond. She she had a point deducted for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> Pussy Galore is is one of the great 
characters in movie history, and I won't hear a word said against her. Um, <laughs> Anna Blackman's so good in the role. I rewatched Goldfinger again just a couple of days ago just to be absolutely sure about where I was placing both Pussy Galore and Odd Job. Um, and I think they both ended up in the right spot. Like those, mm-hmm. that's two hench people from one movie in the top five. That's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, I cannot wait to get to that film, too. Um, <laughs> we've got some really fun things on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so to recap our top 10, uh, tied at 10, we have Irma Bunt from Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Zhao from Die Another Day. Tied at number eight, we have Baron Samadhi from Live and Let Die and Xenia Zergevna Onatop from Goldeneye. And tied at six, we have Fiona Volpe from Thunderball and Miranda Frost from Die Another Day. Goldfinger gets its first showing at number five with Odd Job. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever get it, gets Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid in at number four. Then it's Red Grant from From Russia with Love at number three. Followed by Mayday from A View to a Kill at number two. And that leaves Pussy Galore. From Goldfinger is the greatest henchperson of all time. On top of being the greatest Bondwoman of all time. Yes. So double crown for Honor <laughs> Blackman. But respect to Die Another Day for also getting two hench people into the top ten list. Like that's that's a bigger surprise. <laughs> right? I look, we we realize that movie is a little better than I think most people give it credit for. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it has good things in it i I don't know (laughs) okay okay i don't know how far i'm willing to go (laughs) (laughs) i'm bending all the rules baby it's the best one (laughs) that's gonna be a conversation okay (laughs) so we did touch on it during our conversation uh do we think hench people cool hench people gimmicky hench people memorable hench people are a thing of the past for the franchise or could we see the bond franchise go back to the the best the 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 sort of hench people we think are the best because daniel craig really i don't think has any good ones and you think he has some goodish ones? <laughs> uh, I think that the Daniel Craig films have good characters in general, but you're right. He doesn't have great hench people. There's a je ne sais quoi that's lacking from the later films uh, in the hench people. Uh, maybe that is because we respect people for their differences a <laughs> bit more now than we used to. Okay, fair but point. I don't. But I think there's a space to to allow us. Us outsiders, us queers, and uh, people living with disabilities, and uh, people who just don't fit the mold. I think this. I think the hench person role is a great space to introduce us to not just characters, but these actors. Like we get to see such a wide variety of people on this list who've gone on to do, you know, really fun, great, different things. Yeah, the hench person role is a fun, glamorous, substantial role for an actor to dig their teeth into. Um, you can become an icon with one of these roles. Uh, and, you know, it, it was noticeable that the Daniel Craig movies, while they were going through their project of slowly reintroducing all of the things that make a Bond movie a Bond movie, like we're not going to put it all in the first one, we'll give you money, Penny, we'll give you Q, we'll just slowly sort of parcel it out. Um, it only got to, to really having what you would consider a proper hench person with Mr. Hinks, by which point I was so underwhelmed by that, that <laughs> version of the character that it was like, oh, for goodness sakes, give me, give me an odd job. Give me a mayday. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm ready for it, and I don't know if the film 
has worked the the films have worked out how to make it work today but i do think they're great roles and i do think you know i mean i guess the response to zao shows how modern audiences can be a little harder to sell on these things um but i think yeah. at the same time you have to with bond movies kind of just swallow the embarrassment like call a character christmas jones it's it's people are going to laugh but that's fine you want them to yeah, and they'll be talking about it. Uh, and, you know, that's that kind of publicity buys itself. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think... I mean, I guess it's a question that answers itself, but but out of Connery, Moore, and Brosnan, who I think are the three with the best rosters of hench people, who comes out on top? I mean, just looking at this list, it's <laughs> got to be Connery, right? I, I mean, think so. Connery gets, all, gets a lot of the best of everything in the Bond films. He gets some of the best storylines, he gets some of the best villains, and he also has some of the best hench people. Uh, Pussy Galore, Winton Kid, Red Grand, all in the top five. Yeah. And yeah. Our Job. And Our Job. Yeah, four out of five of the top five. Uh, Mayday, uh, not in a great movie, but the only one of Roger Moore's mm. uh, uh, opponents to... To crack the uh, top five. And, um, but, you know, I will say that uh, the Brosnan hench people, they're fewer, fewer and further between, but they do make an impact, I think, in his films. Particularly because those films aren't necessarily the greatest, uh, that when you get a really good character, you can sink your teeth into it. Yeah, the Die Another Day hench people we clearly are very fond of. The GoldenEye hench people as well yeah. scored very highly. Um so, yeah, the Brosnan movies are kind of hit and miss, but when they hit, they really hit. Yeah, um, yeah Roger Moore, I kind of thought he would do better, honestly, but the fact that, you know, Jaws and Knickknack didn't crack the top ten, and those are two of his best-known uh, hench people, um, that leaves him with uh, with Baron Samadhi and Mayday as his only uh, representation in the top ten. And, and, yeah, like, from the beginning to the end of his career, there, and with very little representation in between. Yeah. Uh, Dalton gets Dario. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, we like Dario, we like Benicio, but certainly not the most memorable hench person on this list. And and Necros, of course, who I did rate very highly, and I think, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I I'll be I'll be uh, making the case for Necros when we get to the Living Daylights. You know, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. watch. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we are heading to the stars to spend some more time with Richard Keel's Jaws in the 1979 Roger Moore movie Moonraker. Bring your own jumpsuit. (laughs) You could follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on Twitter and Instagram at KKBBPod or send us nice messages at KissKissBangBangPod at gmail.com. You can also follow our individual Twitter accounts at Wheeler and at ShaneCameBack. Please share, like, rate, and review Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. Our graphics are provided by the incredibly talented Carl Shura. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Shura. That's C-A-R-L-S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. We like to end every episode with a great piece of Bond-related music, and Andrew, do you want to tell us what we're signing off with this week? 
Yeah, I was really spoiled for choice uh, when it comes to singing hench people in the James Bond franchise. Um, now, Madonna's Die Another Day character does not count as a hench person, so I'm <laughs> no. sorry. She is excluded from consideration. We will not be playing out on Die Another Day. <laughs> you must all be heartbroken. <laughs> but Grace Jones, Alan Cumming, and Wayne Newton, they are all professional singers with uh, storied recording careers. Putter Smith, who played Mr. Kidd, is a jazz bassist uh, oh. in fact that is his he's not an actor like that's that's one of the remarkable things he uh he i don't think he acted in anything else he's but he's still performing jazz oh boy um, hmm. louis jordan from octopussy did sort of sing in the musical gigi um huh, and her, hervé villachez tried to have a musical career he's really a very bad singer uh, so it did not work out for him but you can find him singing on youtube i don't recommend it um even richard keel appeared on the monkeys but he was not singing he was playing the role of frankenstein and chasing them from room to room like a scooby-doo cartoon because that's what the monkeys was um, <laughs> so you won't get richard keel singing howard keel maybe but not richard keel um so in the end i decided to go with our category winner the great Honor Blackman, in a song that's actually associated with her other most famous role, Kathy Gale, in the British 60s spy show The Avengers. Along with co-star Patrick McNee, who is also a James Bond alumnus, she recorded the novelty song Kinky Boots. It is a very short, very silly song that has a permanent place in my heart as a poppy celebration of everyday kink. Because let's face it, more than a few of these hench people wear their kinks loud and proud on their shirt sleeves. Uh, so let's get kinky with Honor and Patrick. Everybody's going for the kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrow from the roots. Borrow from the boots. Kinky boots, fashion magazines say wear them. And you rush to obey like the women in the harem. Full-length, half-length. Fully fashioned, half-length. Brown boots, black boots. Patent leather jacket boots. Low boots, high boots. Lovely lanky thigh boots. We all dig those boots. I, I wasn't even aware that this song existed, and it has changed my life. <laughs> I love it. It was released in the 60s, recorded and released in the 60s, and didn't really make a mark. And then, for some reason, it was re-released in the 90s in the UK charts and did chart. It must have been in an ad or something. Um, and I think the musical Kinky Boots takes its name from this song. Puss in Boots, footwear manufacturers are gathering the fruits. Gathering the fruits. Kinky boots, advertising men say try em. And you all run amok like a block of sleep to buy em. We will be back to talk about Moonraker in two weeks' time, so check out that movie and get started reading the book, because our Moonraker novel episode will follow about a month after that. Thank you all for listening, and until next time... Kiss, kiss. Bang, bang. Kinky boots, cover up the center, little tender boots. With kinky, slinky. Leather is so kinky. Come and get those kinkies.